0: week. As you know, I'm almost always in a series. I I find that to be much more productive for me and for you, I think. And uh, so next week we begin a new series, ten-part series, called Ten Unpreached Sermons. I read an article, this is where this comes from, I read an article about ten stories in the Bible that are never preached on. And so I picked up the gauntlet, accepted the challenge, And I need you to pray for me because there are some bizarre, (laughs) weird stories that we're going to preach on in the weeks ahead. So so remember me in prayer. Uh, Ten unpreached sermons. That begins next week. All right, a ship. We have the privilege of living uh, near Canal Park. We all make our way down there from time to time to watch the come in, and a ship has a hull, it has a deck, it has a radar, a crow's nest, but it's led about by a tiny rudder that ultimately determines the boat's direction. Similarly, there are many parts to our body that help us find our way in life. Our feet take us where we're going, the eyes are the vision, they, they see the route we're taking. Uh, the hands are often the sensors that help us navigate our course. But like the big ships sailing the high seas, we're led about by a tiny rudder. It's our tongue that determines our direction in life. I'm convinced, and I will make the case this morning, that it is our tongue that sets our course. James chapter 3 is, is the text that we'll draw from. You can turn there in your Bible. Uh, the book of James is found toward the end of the New Testament. It's right after Hebrews, right before First and Second Peter. The book of James was written by a man named James. He was the half-brother of Jesus Christ, We don't often think of it in these terms, but he was the son of Joseph and Mary. James is the 59th book of the Bible. It contains all of five chapters, 108 verses, and a whopping 2,309 words, all in the KJV, of course. Reading from James chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, My brethren, be not many masters, or be not many teachers, some versions say, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Interesting that we are honoring and and praying for teachers today. Be not many teachers, you're going to be held to a higher standard. Verse 2, For in many things we offend all. Think of this, we're talking about the tongue today. In many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, he's a perfect man, and able also to bridle his whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of Fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm or rudder, whithersoever the governor or the pilot or the captain listeth. Even so, the tongue is a little member, and it boasts great things. Behold, this is a, this is a key verse, I think. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindles, and the tongue is a fire, it says. A world of iniquity, so is the tongue among our members, that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it's the fire of hell. Verse 7, for every kind of beast and birds and serpents and things in the sea is tamed and has been tamed of mankind, but the tongue And no man tame. It's an unruly evil. It's filled with deadly poison. Therewith we bless God, even our Father, and therewith we curse men which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us this morning through your word. You would bring this to life. Lord, that it would speak to me. And would speak to the folks that are part of the congregation today. That we might leave reflecting on what it is you're doing in us. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. A horse can weigh... Up to 1,200 pounds and even beyond. And yet, a tiny bit in its mouth determines its course. And I believe that the tongue is our pathfinder. It's our tongue that determines our direction. First of all, the tongue is a window into our heart. They say the eyes are the window to the soul. If you're trying to determine if if someone is sincere, you're trying to determine if someone is telling the truth, then you, you look into their eyes. And in much the same way, the tongue is a portal into our heart. Your heart and your tongue are connected. There's a pathway leading from the depths of your heart to your tongue. What's in your heart will eventually come out your mouth. Your passions will bubble over. Your bitterness will spew out. Your apathy will be evident simply by the words you utter. A teenage girl with a crush on a boy will talk incessantly about him. A guy in a fantasy football league will tell you over and over again about who's on his team. We talk about our new job. We talk about our new car. Why? Because what you love, you will talk about. We talk about what's in our heart. It's it's in there, and it has a need to find its way out. What is in our heart longs for expression. Luke 6 says this, And listen carefully to, to each word, okay? A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth that which is good. An evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. The heart is is like a tree. It will bear fruit according to its nature. If it's an apple tree, you get apples. If it's an an orange tree, you're going to get oranges. If your heart is bitter, your words will be bitter. If your heart is angry, your words will be filled with anger. If your heart is hurt, then your words will reflect the pain that's resident within you. If you're healthy and well-adjusted, then your words will be kind and appropriate. If your heart is vile, then your words will be vile. If your heart is filled with compassion, then your words will be compassionate too. Isaiah 32 says, The vile person will speak villainy. And that's a great word, villainy. And his heart will work iniquity to practice hypocrisy and to utter error against the Lord and to make empty the soul of the hungry. Note the connection between the heart and what we speak, what we utter. The tongue, Proverbs 10, 20 says, The tongue of the just is is as choice silver. The heart of the wicked is of little worth. There's quite clearly a connection between the heart and the tongue. Out of the abundance of the heart, the Bible says, the mouth will speak. So it begs the question, what kind of tongue do you have? The Bible mentions, by the way, all kinds of tongues. There are perverse tongues, evil tongues, gossiping tongues, hateful tongues, Foolish tongues, critical tongues, boasting tongues, impetuous tongues, lying tongues, and a host of other tongues characterized by the words we speak. Our tongues are often out ahead of our brain. Who can say amen to that? We we can say things and instantly wish we had it back. Our tongue can even manifest itself on social media without ever saying a word. We pass on the dirty joke. We post the meme laced with profanity or the post that champions hate or disrespect. We write negative things about people in our life or or leaders or people of influence. We, We criticize at every turn. We're quick to cut someone down to size and agonizingly slow to encourage or build someone up. It all says something about us. In fact, Facebook and other forms of social media can provide a sort of transcript, if you will, of our speech. Maybe we could benefit from a review of our posts for the last few months. It just may reflect... What's in our heart? What if every night, as we got into bed, we were handed a transcript of everything we said that day? Every word, every conversation, all of our dialogues and monologues, every rant and every idle comment from the last 24 hours. Well, it would tell you what kind of tongue you have, And it would be the same answer if you were asked what kind of heart you have. The tongue, you see, is a window into your heart. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Verse 8 of James 3 says that no man can bridle the tongue. No man can tame the tongue. The tongue is an unruly member, impossible to tame, and it sounds as though there's nothing we can do. Our words are often running a second or two ahead of our filter. Our common sense lags behind in our loose lips and our quick-draw tongue. We just blurt out the first words that make their way from our heart to our mouth, and the best we can do, it seems, is apologize after. I simply do not believe that that's the best that we can hope for. I just think we're working on the wrong end of things. So how do you deal with the tongue? I have two two little tricks here to help you deal with your tongue. Number one, deal with what the tongue draws from. I've become a fan, and I never thought I would say this. I've become a fan. No, I did wear purple. But I have become a fan of some old westerns. Two in particular have Gun Will Travel and The Rifleman. My wife is so sick of these. And and in those westerns, what you often see is them, them drawing water from a well using a bucket, right? And if you get bad water from the well, the answer is not to change buckets. That would be as ridiculous as trying to fix a bad educational system by building new schools. And who would ever think to do that? Ooh. Rather than trying to control the tongue, we need to deal with the heart. We need to deal with the well that the bucket of the tongue draws from. The tongue is not the origin of evil. The heart is. And the heart, according to Jeremiah 17, 9, is deceitful above all things. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, who can know it? The tongue spews what abounds in the heart. If if you use profanity, there's profanity in your heart. It doesn't just pop onto the end of your tongue out of nowhere. Stop watching R-rated movies. Stop listening to garbage music. Quit hanging out with people that use profanity. Get it out of your head. Get it out of your heart. Make profanity a foreign entity to you. Now, profanity is an easy one. But it also pertains to gossip. And it also pertains to negativity and critical talk and, and boastful talk. You have to deal with your heart. It's the well your tongue draws from. Let God change your heart. Let God fill your heart. Let God transform your heart. Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. He will give you a new heart from which the bucket of your tongue can draw from. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it starts with with dealing with what your tongue draws from. And it draws from your heart. Second, don't fight the tongue. Surrender it. No man can tame the tongue. That's true. So instead, let God change your heart and then surrender your tongue. Now, I, I really believe in in a little loose association here, that, that this is the key to the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the initial evidence of speaking in tongues. It explains to me why analytical thinkers sometimes have trouble with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I contend it's because analytical thinkers, of which I would say I'm one, have trouble surrendering their tongue it's all very measured it's all very controlled for the intellectual but what if but what if we took God at his word? what if we actually believed what he said? what if we actually believed that we can be endued with power from the Spirit of God that will enable us to be a witness for Him. And the initial evidence of it would be according to the Scriptures, speaking with other tongues. Think of the boldness that we would have as we witnessed for Jesus. It starts by believing what He says. Then the Spirit of God fills our heart and it manifests itself Through the tongue. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now here's a thought. And this is where the title of the sermon comes from. The words we speak will determine our direction. Proverbs 18.21 says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 18.21. You can speak life into your future, or you can strangle the life out of it. I remember when I made the decision to go into ministry in midlife, in my 40s. I remember sitting in a restaurant with our former pastor and another leader in the church. And I remember speaking what was in my heart to them. And my heart was pounding. I knew how ridiculous it sounded. I knew the odds were not in my favor. I knew my circumstances were working against me. But I also knew the call upon my life. And so I spoke it into existence. It was a turning point. It was already in my head and it was already in my heart. But somewhere along the line, I had to breathe life into it. That day, that moment, my direction changed. My words set my course. My tongue determined my direction. On the flip side, there was a guy who attended the church here for a time. He first came to the church in need of financial help, and we did help him. But we also recommended that he attend a Dave Ramsey class, a financial course that we were running during the Sunday school hour that happened to be starting in the, in the very near future. And he went the first week. And he never attended it again. The next time I asked him, next time I saw him, I asked him why he quit going. And this is what he told me. He said, the teacher of that class said that everyone should have $1,000 set aside in an emergency fund. And he said, I could never save thousand dollars. You know, it's interesting, this was around 2006, 2007, and to this day his financial situation is unchanged. I firmly believe that his words determined his direction. He spoke poverty into his life when he had an opportunity to make a change. His words set a course into scarcity when he had a chance to turn things around. We often do the same thing. When we somehow fall short, we say, that's that's the way I've always been. Or, that's the way I grew up. Or, that's the way I was raised. Our words give us a, a license to fail. Hey, I'm only human. I'm nobody. Who would listen to me? Our words determine our direction. Our words declare where we are heading. Our words announce a change of direction. Our words proclaim our aspirations, state our dreams. Or they affirm we're content with the status quo. Or we're heading to higher ground. Our words declare our new endeavors. Our words proclaim our goals. Our words or our words excuse our perpetual failure. Wintle said it well. If you think you are beaten, you are. If you think you dare not, you don't. If you'd like to win, and you, but you think you can't, it's almost certain you won't. If you think you'll lose, you're lost. For out in the world we find success begins with a fellow's will. It's all in the state of mind. If you think you're outclassed, you are. You've got to think high to rise. You've got to be sure of yourself before you can ever win a prize. Life's battles don't always go to the stronger or faster man, but soon or late, the man who wins is the man who thinks he can. Winning is in your heart. And winning manifests itself in the words we speak. Your words will determine Your direction. So don't talk like a loser. Speak life. I like that song that we sang about, about, I'm a child of God. And I'm going to say I am. Speak life. Speak hope. Speak joy. Speak success. You cannot live beyond what you believe. Listen, I'm no prosperity teacher. And I'm not a positive thinking teacher. But I am a guy who believes very strongly that it's really important to think right. The way you think will fill your heart. What's in your heart will spill out into what you say. And what you say will affect What you do, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And your words determine your direction. Your tongue is your pathfinder. It's clear to me that words matter. Surely the tongue is important in charting the course of our life. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt speech proceed out of your mouth. Colossians 3.8, Put away shameful speaking or filthy communication from your mouth. Your tongue sets your course. Your tongue determines your direction. And I know, I know that there's many of you thinking here today that I'm overstating this at least a little. But listen to the words of Jesus himself in Matthew 12. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they will give an account of in the day of judgment. Now listen to verse 37. This ought to send a chill down your spine. For by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. Your tongue will determine your direction in life. Your tongue will set your course. It's the the rudder, it's the helm of our life. It's the the bridle in the horse's mouth. It's the steering wheel of our existence. Certainly our words will affect our witness. It's true in a negative way. James 1.26 says, If any man among you Seems to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue. But he deceives his own heart, and his religion is in vain. Maybe we consider ourselves Christians. But what do the words say? What do unbelievers think of us as we speak? They're weighing our words, you know. Job 34.3 says, The ear tries words as the mouth tastes meat. Our words affect our witness. It can be true in a good way. Colossians reminds us, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. The tongue sets the course for your life. Let me close with this thought. I believe that's true in the earthly realm, and I believe it's true in the spiritual realm. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart, verse 10 says, for with the heart... Man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The heart-tongue connection is supremely evident. Your tongue determines your direction and it's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. Lord, I pray for these folks this morning. I thank you for each one of them. They're all in a different place along that journey. But Lord, I pray that this morning we would recognize the role of the tongue. So often our words are are flippant and indiscriminate, impetuous. Lord, I pray that we would stop working so hard to control our tongue and instead begin to look at the well from which it draws from. Lord, that we would pour into our heart the good things so that like a tree, our tongue will will bear fruit, good fruit, because there's good things in our heart. That's why we come to church. It's one of the reasons we come to church. To praise you, to hear the songs that proclaim your name, to, to uh, hear the word of God, to fellowship with those of like precious faith. It helps to, to fill our heart with good things. But an hour and 15 minutes of church on a Sunday morning isn't enough. We have to find a way to fill that well all week long I pray that you'd help us to that end Lord help us to make good decisions on what we put into our well the well of our heart I think of that final portion of scripture Romans 10 9 and 10 Lord we confess you this morning with our mouth we say it with an assurance that Jesus Christ is Lord we said it in the song. I'm a child of God. I believe in Jesus. I believe that, 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 Heavenly Father, that you sent Jesus into this world to die for my sins, that I might be justified, that I might be redeemed, that I might be set free. And even if I'm still in bondage at this moment, I can begin the journey toward freedom. And so I refuse to let my words express the fact that I'm content in my sin, that I'm content in my bondage. Instead, I proclaim that I'm headed for higher ground. I'm aspiring to be free. I'm aspiring to be the man, the woman that God has called me to be. And I will let my words be my pathfinder. I will let my words set the course. For by my words... I will be justified. And by my words, I will be condemned. Lord, help us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. You are first not forsaken, I am who you say I am, you are fine.